The views and opinions expressed in Media Litter Sandwich do not reflect on the views of the network, station, studio, website, sponsors, guests, hosts themselves, anyone or anything else associated or even not associated with this podcast. Maybe not even the person that said them. In other words, do your own research and do not sue anyone over what is said on this show. Welcome to Media Litter Sandwich. I'm Toden, and of course, this is Toden's Media Litter Sandwich, hence my name in the title. And of course, if you don't know where to listen from, like if you just click the random promotion link, which by the way, thank you for whoever shared that, and please share it if you enjoy this. You can find us on Spotify, the website, toden.com, mediallersandwich.com, um, Stitcher, Podbean, Mixcloud, YouTube, uh, where there's also a video version. Video versions are different than the audio versions. To be the first person listening, you can go head over to Patreon and we'll put up the uncut versions. If you want to be the second person, you can just listen to us on DV Radio on dvradio.net at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time on dvradio.net, which I already said. Or you could just wait for the podcast to come out. All the other things I mentioned, and you could always go back in their archives. Now, today, I have an author, uh, someone that helps other people publish books, a podcaster. Um, I believe he's a beard enthusiast. I probably just made that up, too. I don't know. <laughs> go ahead, Johnny, introduce yourself. Tell me, Tell me... What the heck are you doing here? Hey, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, my name's John Baldisberger, colloquially known as the Kaiju Poet. Um, and yeah, I am a author of Jewish horror, and uh, my wife and I run a horror publishing uh, company called Madness Heart Press. Uh, we started that in 2019, and it's it's been a wild ride, but... Uh, I'm just kind of doing the rounds now, trying to get my own name out there and uh, promote the books I have coming out soon. Wow. Dude, I thought you'd been around longer. I looked at the website. How many books do you have on the website? We have a lot. Uh, we we kind of hit the round running, perhaps a little too hard, if I'm mm-hmm. going to be completely honest. Uh, we bit off way more than uh, than we could reasonably chew, even with my giant mouth. Um, that said... <laughs> We we strive to put out quality books, good books, and kind of leave the filler behind. Well, it just okay. So, so people know we are recording on May first, twenty twenty, and you said you started in the website in twenty nineteen. Man, how did you get the like? I I I'm seeing that you're like okay. Well, there goes the day job in like the first five months. <laughs> I I still have a day job actually. Okay. Uh, it's you don't it's, have to tell me what it is. I'm just curious if I'm a publisher. The, <laughs> it's all I do. look all the all I do with my life is edit and publish. That's all I get to do. It's the only thing. So okay, hope. Is there any kind of conflict of interest that you work for a publishing company and then you have your own publishing company? No, uh, two completely different realms. I uh, okay. I work in tech. Uh, my day job is tech related. Okay. Uh, and since what I'm doing is speculative fiction, there's really no overlap of uh, interest in those groups. It's not like someone's like, well, I bought my tech report. I guess I don't need the new Stephen King book. Uh you know, it's fun because I work with other writers. I work with other people that are interested in being creative, okay. but there's no there's no problem as far as like it's there's no shadowy secret that I'm hiding. I, I, I always I, it's something like that that I like to ask because you never know. Like I've talked to reporters that freelance for other articles and I've talked to, you know, sometimes there's a line and I, I don't know where that line is. I like to know, especially other people that want to do do other things. And I'm just going to assume, and you can confirm or be like, uh, um, if you talk to your employer first, it's like, hey, is this across the line? Is this good? <laughs> you know, the, the thing is, is that if I didn't, I got the tech job because I started the publishing company. Oh, so you did that first. Okay. Right. I, was in, uh, I was in food and sales before. Uh, I mean, your last name not. makes me hungry, so... 
I mean, I, I, I Baltusburger, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like three pieces of meat. It's okay. It's sandwiches in the name of the podcast. So I'm allowed to talk about this. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking mm-hmm. like three pieces of meat, some, uh, um, some bacon, but then you said speculative Jewish thing. So bacon's got to go yeah, no away. Bacon, no bacon, unfortunately. Um, you gotta, man, I had a Jewish roommate that one day brought home um, some kosher meat. And she's like, here you go. Do whatever you want with it. And what we didn't even think about, we just made some really good bacon cheeseburgers and she was so mad. Then why did you give it to us? That's okay. I'm probably going to cut that part out, but. (laughs) Uh, So actually funny, funny story. I do keep kosher. I don't eat, I don't eat pork. Uh, I used to work for a salami company. I used to work for a company whose entire business was serving the pig from the tutor to the snooter. The whole shebang. <laughs> wow. So what? So I that you started writing books before you started the publishing company or the distribution company, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, basically, okay, here's what happened. I self-published a couple of little projects here and there. And then I got my hands on a book in a bookstore and it was terrible. It was not, I don't just mean the writing, like the whole production value of this book was God awful. Right. And I turned to my wife and I, I waved the anthology at her and I said, you know, we could do this better just with what I know now we could do this better. And I want to say four months later, we uh, dropped our first anthology, the creeping corruption anthology. So <laughs> it was really like, it was, it was just a drive to put out quality stuff. And how did that happen to you working with other authors? So that's, that was the thing is uh, the, the, the crappy book was an anthology of, you know, a lot of different authors. And so okay. I, I came so up was with it a con- an anthology of just yourself. You're already working no. with authors at this point. No, no, no. Uh, the anthology that was sucky that I found in a bookstore was okay. a lot of other offers. So I put out a call on Dark Markets, which is a speculative fiction uh, submission call website, saying I want stories about corruption. Send them to this Thank address. Thank you for clarifying that. I'm like, dark part of the web for authors. Yeah. Uh, I'm, uh, you, you oh, can you, sell you your, finally found my immortal? Sweet. You can, you can, <laughs> was that you a can guy sell or your, a girl? <laughs> you can sell your kidney in order to get rent money. It's perfect for starving artists. <sighs> Done it. Anyway... <laughs> Yeah, I I still sell kidneys. They're just not mine anymore. Um, So I put out the submission call, got all the stories, read through 150 stories, took 14 of them and put together this book and published it. And I made a ton of mistakes, terrible decisions. I made a lot of really amateur choices when I did this. Mm Mm-hmm but it was still better than that shitty anthology I had picked up in a bookstore. And so we did it again and again. And after we published that first anthology, authors started submitting proposals to me, started saying like, Hey, I have a book. Would you be interested in publishing it? And realizing that, we could do that and we could help authors bring some pretty incredible things that were really niche to market that may otherwise not get uh, picked up was incredible. The fact is it's easy. It's easy to self-publish and you get an a hundred percent of the royalties when you self-publish. Uh, we are try- uh, authors in general are trying to kind of banish that perception that self-publishing is uh, a red flag to quality, but it still is. Uh, when you self-publish, a lot of people think that means you couldn't get published for real. It's not necessarily the case, but there's that perception. No, I, and and I think I know where you're going with this, and and I totally want to hear it. I'm going to tell you, because I've talked to several people that self-publish on here. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you the the, the perception that I get. And uh, then please, t- I want to know your opinion and where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, because 
I, I've interviewed maybe, I don't know, X amount of artists, I don't know, uh, authors. And every single person has their own view of publishing and self-publishing. Uh, and like I've talked to people that went through a real publisher, thought it was a waste of money and self-publish and they love it and they have control of every aspect. Um, and and that's what they're used to. They, they you know, the, the one person I have in mind, he, he's, he's an author, he's, he's a published musician, he, he writes plays and he, you know, he does all this stuff himself and he loves having that control and being able to do all that. And he does well. And then there's the people that need a little bit of guidance. So they do some self-publishing, but they also hire an editor. So they do a mix. Um, and there's people that just think there's like, I never have to touch any of this. I go, you know, I send out to the publisher, we talk and they help me out and we go forward from there. Right. Is anyone wrong? No, <laughs> no one's wrong. That's the amazing thing about it. Right. Is, uh, there's people out there, uh, uh, the uh, the okay boomer culture is alive and well in publishing because you'll have uh, established authors talking down to self-published people and boutique publishers like, well, this is a waste of time. Like, cool, cool, cool. You're saying that because you're published by one of the big five and you never you don't ever have to worry about your goddamn paycheck. I don't know if I can swear. Uh, I'll figure it out later. I was going to say. I, I always cut it and put on the Patreon version. With the with the magic of editing, John doesn't use any profanity. Um, but the fact is, why why strive to get to one of these big houses that is accepting five new authors a year when you can go to a boutique publisher and probably get read at least, or failing that, self publish. Now. The problem with self-publishing and the problem with boutique publishers like Madness Art Press is that we're a dime a dozen. There's no Nintendo stamp of approval on that. And that's where you can judge a book by the cover, right? Uh, By looking at the cover, by looking at the inside, the formatting, the layout, all of that, you can tell how much work and effort a publisher puts into their books. We made some really amateur's mistakes when we first started. I already mentioned that. Uh, A couple months ago, I sent out a letter to every author we had published and said, look, thank you for being with us this first year. If any of you want to break contract with us, let me know. We'll break contract clean. No harm, no foul. I'll send you all the files and wish you the best. Um, Because, you know, they were our training wheels. And I think that's fair to give them their property, their writing back. You all were guinea pigs. Essentially. And yeah. like, yeah, I put and in a I lot of work for those authors. Forward and, and they knew that there were guinea pig coming in. Uh, uh, people, you know, they're more acceptable to things. Like you're giving me a chance and more breathable room because I am a guinea pig. I have a lot of authors I work with that are extremely loyal to the Madness Heart Press uh, brand, the name, the company. Oh, that's where you get your kids from. <laughs> uh, no, I, I never endanger my authors. If you're a Madness Heart author, I will protect you and hunt down other people's kidneys than yours. Um, just read your paperwork first. Yeah, just do read the contract. <laughs> Um, did you know parts of organs will grow back if you only send me a little bit of it at a time? Anyway. Um, yeah, uh, my, my liver still hates me. <laughs> so by being honest, by being upfront, and by being truly supportive of the authors I work with, we're able to grow, and we've been able to grow with some really incredible talent. Um, we are We are publishing books by people like Charles Bernard, Lucas Mangum, uh, Susan Snyder, Jill uh, Stryker, who you've never heard of these people. And that's great for us. Uh, there's publishers out there that are buying bigger names that have a presence in the horror industry. And have, they have more sales than we do. And they're a good company. Like, I'm not bashing their company at all. But they're in the red because they're paying advances on known authors 
in the hopes that we'll grow their brand. And the authors I'm getting to work with because of the way we're doing things, by being completely honest and not living outside of our means, I'm getting these authors that are brand new and incredible, incredible unknowns. If they take off, I get to be a part of that success. Even if they get bigger than us and go to a main, uh, main five publisher with their second book or third book, I still get to be part of the story that says, yeah, I published Charles Bernard's first full-length novel. I published Susan Snyder's first short story, which she's been nominated for a Splatterpunk Award for. Nice. So part of doing this really is I love this industry. I love these people. Yeah. I really do want to support it. I'm not making money off of uh, being a publisher. I'm making a little bit of money off being an author. But at the end of the day, I'm doing this because I love the people and the industry and what it all means together. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm sure it sticks with you. Um, one of my last few interviews I did, I talked to um, one of the co-founders of Trauma Entertainment, uh, Lloyd Kaufman, and he would not be quiet about James Gunn. You know, he's like, I got help get him the first start. He directed Tromeo and Juliet, and now he's doing Guardians of the Galaxy. I was, in, you know, I was in one of the scenes in the prison scene. Uh, <laughs> It's like, dude, do you want to promote any of your upcoming movies? <laughs> uh, yeah, I got this one, and we ha- we have our own streaming service. You want to talk about the movies and streaming service? Well, James Gunn is like, <laughs> all right, man. I, I mean, you make more money than me, dude. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, there's a there's an incredible amount of pride with working with mm-hmm. amazing talent. Um, I think I think I'm pretty good. Like, <laughs> uh, I think I'm a pretty good author. I think I'm pretty good uh, storyteller. But there's authors I get to work with that make me feel bad about my own writing because they're on another level. And I get to be a part of their success story. I get to be a part of a perfect example. Uh, in early March, we put out a book called Exotic Meats and an Edible Objects. This is a book of poetry in the form of recipes that are kind of horror adjacent, but they're incredible and they're bizarre and they're surreal. And I don't know of another publisher that would have touched something that kind of uh, experimental in poetry. And I got to be a part of bringing, like you can hold that book in your hand because of me. And that's an incredible feeling. Wow. How do you so you work all these great authors and um they just buy them on your website or how where where can people buy their books? They can buy their books on our website, madnessheart.press. They can also buy all their books on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I think I said Amazon Heart Press because I was thinking ahead. Madnessheart.press to buy madness, the books. Madness. We'll just say but, it together so people know. Yeah, madness, madness Heart. heart. Or, okay. Heart. Dot heart. Press. I, I, I got heart. Well, <laughs> until you take it and sell it on the Black Artist website. <laughs> I do trade for fingers on there. Um, and, you know, you can buy them on Amazon and... I was I was I know a lot of people like have reservations about buying on Amazon. And if you've heard this podcast, you already know what I'm gonna say you smiled on Amazon, no cost to you, a little bit goes to charity, and our charity of choice is DV Farm. Wanna know about the farm? Go to dvfarm.org. It's a veterans uh housing shelter thingy. Go check it out. They do a lot of great work. Uh and of course. They work with DV Radio. Of course, my heart goes out to dysfunctional veterans. Um, so, yeah. So, you can buy it on Amazon.com, your website, where else? And you can look through the other various uh, ebook vendors because uh, we do everything. Uh, when we sign our contracts, we sign it for the paperback and uh, digital formats only. So, the authors keep the rights to things like audiobook. Uh, video rights, foreign language, hardcover. So they can still sell those to other publishers. 
Uh, and the other thing I want to say, because we kind of mentioned this before we got on air, mm-hmm. uh, we don't charge our authors a dime. We edit, we do cover design, we do layout, and that's all out of our own pockets. Uh, and that's part of you know us being your publisher. If you go to a publisher and they start asking you for money, that's a scam. Mm-hmm. And you're better off paying an editor and self-publishing than paying a publisher a dime. You should never give a publisher money. They should always be paying you. Anyone that runs a scam, come at me. <laughs> you no, can, you can, you can, I, I you agree. Can. I, in the early days of YouTube... You know, people would say, "Hey, I want you know, I you pay me, and I'll do." No, not how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not giving me money up front. You're going to take a percentage, um, and we're going to talk about this at length and come up with a solid uh, contract where everything okay. is visible. I've seen some really crappy contracts where people tried to steal my copyrighted material, my my mm. content, my things. Publishers try to do the same thing, probably. Mm. They uh, do absolutely. And uh, if you want, look, if you, I made you mad with what I just said, you can get at me at Joe Rogan. <laughs> some all complaints there. My uh, my assistant Joe Rogan will handle them for me. <laughs> don't at me bro <laughs> don't at me uh yeah you know funny thing is is one of the first things we did as a company was put together our contract mm-hmm. and our first contract was um uh, oh i can't remember the term for it. uh cover plate uh boilerplate there we are uh we had a boilerplate contract and it was not great for the authors okay. and we had some authors sign it <laughs> Uh, and we had some authors pay like, Hey, this contract's bullshit go to hell. Uh, and I looked over it and I looked over it again and I looked over it again until we got to something that protected us, but gave most of the power, uh, and protected the author's intellectual property. Uh, and I give you a lot of credit for that. Cause I've had brand new companies say, here's our contract. And I go, oh, oh, you know, and I give them like a 20 page, you know, every piece of the contract that had a question. Here's my questions. Here's my thoughts. This is why I can't, you know, let's go through this and let's create something better. Mm-hmm. And I had someone come at, you know, and sometimes people go through and, and say, I can do this, this and this. This is my red flag. I cannot do that. Sure. And and then then that's where we would break and, and go away or we'd work on it. Um, I had a couple people uh, and this showed their amateurness um, that they would sarcastically and angrily be defensive about, you know, things like how can you be defensive um, about me not wanting you to take a piece of my contact, re-edit it and then use it for promotion material without talking to me first I understand if this was a contest. I've done many contests, many film festivals. I do not have a problem because I know what content they're using. I give you over 500 videos and and, and presumably more over time. I don't know what you're grabbing. I don't know what you're doing with it. You have to talk to me and you'll probably get more promotion if you talk to me first than you would if you just steal my stuff, which it wouldn't be stealing because I gave them access. You know, and, you know, and, and it's funny thing, it's the same contract. They said, well, we're going to charge you this amount of percentage, but if more fees occur, we're going to grab it. No, <laughs> how can you defend that? So that's great that you recognize that and you work with them. Uh, we did a, uh, we did a Jewish horror anthology uh, in December and uh, I shouldn't right, have now been, Gilbert Gottfried's head stuck in my head. Okay. I shouldn't have been shocked. It's just going to keep going over and over and over again. <laughs> but a woman really got hung up on the terms of the contract. So for edification for a anthology, we request 12 months of uh, exclusive use uh, of that piece. From the time it publishes, we ask for one year uh, before they publish it somewhere else. 
after that, it's out of our hands. And, uh, and that's pretty much like the length. And I've had authors that are say like, okay, well, I don't want that. How about two months? And it's like, that's, that's not enough time to work with it. Um, and we've had authors that are say, okay, well, uh, will you remove it from your anthology if I ask you to? And it's like, again, I hear where you're coming from, but I have, at that point, I would have to take it all the various forms offline, re-edit, relay out and put it back. It's not, it's, it's better use of my time and finances to not include your story at that point. Mm. Again, it's your decision. That's your piece of work. And if that's what you feel comfortable with, God bless you. But I also have to think about my sanity and what I'm putting out and the way I'm doing things um, and the way I promote things as well. Uh, for instance, if Susan Snyder came to me, uh, now that she's gotten uh, uh, nominated for a Splatterpunk Award from this anthology and said, okay, now that this is known, I don't want to be in this anthology anymore. Take it out. And I was like, okay, well, like, you're welcome and I guess F me. <laughs> But so we, there's, there are things that we do butt heads on. Uh, but overall, I started Madness Heart Press to be a boon to authors, not to get rich and not definitely, definitely not to get rich at author's expense. Wow. And when you're authoring a book, you don't go through your own publishing company. I try not to. Uh, there are times that I, uh, I, so I do a series that I co-write with an author named Reed Alexander called UPD. And that goes to, uh, Madness Heart Press, but that's mostly because I asked him to write it. Then after like signing stuff, he asked me to co-write it. Uh, so, so we do yeah, that. It's too hard. You do it. <laughs> we make a really good team on these books, I feel, but, uh, I try not to not because it's a bad idea, but because when authors come to my page, I don't want them to see my name. I don't want them to think Madness Heart Press is about me. So that's like going to um, a film festival and you see who the organizer is and their names on every single movie, mm -hmm. including always what ends the night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I once, maybe twice a year, uh, if there's just no other option as in like I've written some weird niche thing that no one's going to publish, I'll go ahead and put it out under my, my label. Uh, because I think I do believe in my work that said, I would much rather work with other publishers, uh, and grow the pool in the community rather than just stay in my own little silo. Yeah. It sounds like, you have less than uh, uh, five people at your publishing company and you don't want to, you don't want to self-publish. You want to show if you had more employees, you know, if you grew out, then you would let them work on it. But since you don't, you know, cause it's definitely say, Hey, look, I don't just like, like, like do this stuff. But I'm conf so confident I put my own stuff there instead of, oh, yeah, I go through this publishing company. <laughs> but you do that because you don't yeah, want to work on like, Yeah, and you'll notice that, like, some of the books coming out this next year are by staff members of Madness Heart Press. I have no problem with that because they're good books. But the reason they're workers, their staff at Madness Heart Press is because they're good writers, uh, and I'm not going to turn down their books, but, but because I am the owner of the company, I feel much more trepidatious about slapping my books and trying to use my company to promote my brand. Okay. Uh, so I, I try to, uh, promote those things separately and I always try to make sure that I'm promoting Madness Art Press and the authors that trust me to promote them maybe a little bit more than I promote myself. I'm not always successful with that. <laughs> well, you got to promote yourself, man. You do. It's the only way to sell books. And you say you, now you are in your own niche niche, however you want to, you know, tell me about that. So, uh, I, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, I go by the moniker, the Kaiju poet, 
throughout all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you look up Kaiju Poet, that's me. Uh, my personal I love website. Godzilla. If you look on my uh, my back thing there, I have a, sh- a Shin Godzilla statuette, and my Shin Godzilla DVD fell over. But <laughs> I'm a big Godzilla fan. Um, it's okay. Gamora's better anyway. Or not Gamora? Excuse me. I I, man, I ruined my own joke. Gamora is Biolante. Biolante will crush them all. Um, <laughs> that said, uh, if you go to my passwords for the faithful, that's definitely true. No lie. <laughs> uh, if you go to my personal website, www.kaijupoet.com, you'll see a picture of Godzilla wearing a kippa and a tallet. Uh, because what I write is Lucas Mangum, when he listens to this, will laugh because he, he says it in sync with me because I've said it so often. I write Jewish horror, kaiju horror, and Jewish kaiju horror. Um, and that's not quite true. I write a lot of various things, but I, I tend to focus on Jew- mythic Jewish uh, storytelling. Okay. Which is a real tiny niche, but it's one that people are very interested in. So funny story about that website. I wasn't sure I wanted to make my own personal website since I was already managing madnessheart.press. And I talked to another author, uh, Max Booth III, who is mm-hmm. an incredible author. Um, and I basically, I, because he's fairly successful, he's written a lot of amazing books. I said, Max, how do you feel about like a personal author website? And he told me only jackasses and idiots don't have their own website. And so that day I built this. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Godzilla. That that's great. Thank you. My wife, uh, my wife did that. So as you can see, I, I have all my books on here. I have the OTG project, the Obliterate the Globe project, uh, in which I do commissioned kaiju literature in which I will destroy the uh the city of your choice using the kaiju of your choice in the form of your choice uh, for $5 because sometimes I need a Whataburger. And uh, yeah, mostly, so mostly Jewish stuff, but lots and lots and lots of giant monsters uh, fell my day. But you're talking about kaijus and like, aren't, you know, kaiju of your choice, but aren't they copyrighted? Like you can't, well, you can't resell it certain ways if you're using copywritten uh, characters. No, 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 no. I don't use any copywritten, all okay. original. Okay. Okay. So it's your choice of my original. No, no, no. You you tell me what you want, and I designed an original kaiju around oh, your okay. idea. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I'm not, you know... I'm, I hate I'm to evil, knock, but not that evil. I hate to knock anyone's thing, anyone's yeah. hustle, but seeing artists whose art consists only of uh, other people's IPs always like what I'm seeing there with, you know, five books that I wrote and the guy next to me is selling uh prints of uh, Pikachu dressed as Deadpool. And he's going home having made $5,000 and I've sold three books. I get, I get a little uh, pissed off. But, hey, man, you're paying your rent. More power to you. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I totally hear that at at conventions. Like, man, I'm selling my original art. That guy over there is literally just buying canvases from, you know, from overseas websites for – for a dollar, you know, for five cents to a dollar a picture, and then reselling from third for yep. thirty bucks a piece. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, again, I don't. I totally get it, man. I, I get it, but it makes me mad. <laughs> I totally get it. Like I don't, I don't begrudge anyone there. Oh, hustle. you're gonna sell them that Baltus burger? <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I love your last name. <laughs> I I don't begrudge anyone their hustle and their game so long as it's not hurting anyone else um but i do think that that people running conventions need to be cognizant of the people they're having in the dealer's room either 
shove it full of these uh, overseas shoppers that are going to have this kind of mass market appeal of the two things shirt or make a real effort to have people putting in original stuff. Uh, I recently did Nosferatu Fest here in Austin, put on by Gore Noir magazine. And everyone in the dealer's room was doing original art, uh, doing their own t-shirt designs. Uh, There were several sculptors there, painters, people making jewelry, and me, a publisher. Oh, there was also a guy downstairs who sold uh, carnivorous plant terrariums. (laughs) <laughs> and that guy was awesome. <laughs> yeah, and no one was just, and no one was like, "Oh, hey, I read the Nosferatu." <laughs> Here's more pictures. Although the original Nosferatu is public domain now. Yeah, and uh, there was a lot. Of, obviously, because it was a Nosferatu fest, a lot of people had Nosferatu themed stuff there, uh, sculptures, uh, t-shirts, that kind of thing. But. Uh, it was a Nosferatu festival. Like it makes yeah. sense in this, this thing. Yeah. Uh, no one, no one there was selling a uh, Harley Quinn uh, straddling a hammer. I want to go to this con cause I've yet to not see that. <laughs> and it's real good. Uh, it's an Austin once a year. Mitch Rafford from Gornor puts it on. It's an amazing event. I did lose a garlic eating contest there. Though. Oh, yeah. why would you do? Why would you enter such a thing? I love garlic. Like <laughs> I went into this thinking this is just going to be a good time. Uh, pro tip: ten cloves of raw garlic in two minutes is not a good time. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You know, so you write in this niche, this Jewish kaiju niche. Do you stare stereotypes at all? And do anyone like like accuse you of uh of doing something that you shouldn't be doing? You know. Um, because I'm one of the few Jews writing Jewish speculative fiction, no one's really had the balls to come up to me and saying that I'm being anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. Uh which is good. Uh, <laughs> I have very little patience for that. However, I began writing in this stuff because I was so sick of seeing those stereotypes. Uh, you know, when you when you see the stereotype of the the Jewish guy whose mother is haranguing him, I feel like that's a fairly harmless stereotype. It's fine. Mothers harangue mm-hmm. like across the board. Everyone's mother is going to harangue them as long as they aren't estranged, right? So it's fine. When your Jewish character is Woody Allen, uh, who is obsessed with cash, that's when I start getting pissed off. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a there was a urban fantasy series of books where, as soon as he introduced uh, Jewish mystics, he was making their sidewalks and beards like wave, and that was their magic. It's like cool, man. That's super fucking racist. How about not? Um, and obviously, whenever anyone who's not Jewish does anything that's Jewish, they go with the golem. And I got real tired of it. I got really bored of it. So when I write, I write real Jewish characters. I write deep within Judaism. Uh, in one of my books coming out this summer, Trafe Magic, there are over 65 footnotes Uh, to explain Jewish terms, Yiddish terms, and various Jewish cultural things. In my book coming out in June, Blood and Mud, I have a 4,000-word essay in the back of the book uh, that just talks about Jewish mysticism and mythic Judaism. Mm. I, I try to write in a way that's going to be relatable to people, that people are going to read and enjoy, even if they don't recognize everything on the page. But if you read my books, eventually you're going to get a pretty nice Jewish uh, uh, occult education. Yeah, uh, that's interesting because, you know, the, the, the number one, you know, the number one uh, uh, minority that gets harassed and is the Jewish community. It, it's the number one. I mean, it's uh, the, there's other communities that come close to two. Um, which we don't, you know, which that's not what this episode's about at all. 
but it's it's interesting because they're bashed the most and and people don't even there's a lot of people that just leave it alone unless they can make it political yeah (laughs) you know i won't i won't talk a lot about that because it's a yeah well we'll let a kaiju take care of it turn turn on the okay so uh blood and mud my book coming out from saint rooster in june a a kind elderly jewish man is killed by a group of um let's call them far-right activists um and in response to this a angel gets so upset they create a kaiju-sized golem to destroy chicago that's the plot of that book um so yes we will let the kaiju take care of that funny story when i first sent that to uh saint rooster their publisher tim murr said so i thought this was going to be a funny book (laughs) it's like no so no no. sorry no (laughs) wow well i i thought it was gonna be a funny book the way you you pitched it too especially coming Uh, from a place called saint rooster (laughs) i I think I'm a funny guy, but uh-huh. what I write is not necessarily funny. I like to write creepy things. And I like to, I really enjoyed writing ultraviolence. Okay. And so my work tends to be pretty dark, but it, I don't have a lot of super sad endings. At least not outside of my short, my short stories are always sad. Always. My uh, my novels and my novellas tend to leave off in a good place because, in general, I maintain a optimistic view of the world. I try to, at least. Okay, so you also do a podcast. I, I do, too, yes. Tell me about that. So the first one, Madness Heart Radio, it obviously attached to Madness Heart Press. I interview authors and actors and directors within the horror industry. Very rarely about the horror industry. I usually just kind of shoot this shit with them. Um, I want people to understand that we're people kind of see that horror people aren't these like monsters sitting in a dark room cutting themselves. No, those are editors. Yeah, that's true. Um <clears throat> But then, you know, we do talk about what their projects are, what they're working on, all that. The other podcast, uh, which is, I think, a much healthier pastime for me, is myself, Charles Bernard, and Lemons Clemens, who are both writers. Uh, We sit around and we talk about monsters for about an hour once a week called Wondering Monster. It started off just being about Dungeons and Dragons, but now... uh, I'm the only one that talks about D and D and lemons brings something from like mythology or folklore. And Charles always brings some eighties or nineties pop culture figure. You just relive your childhood. That's, that's all kind of. Well, yeah, yeah. I was going to say lemons is the youngest that's one here. Okay. And she's talking that's about like ancient 80% Egypt. Of- podcasts out there this is what i liked as a kid and this soldier critic made a whole career out of it funny enough charles and i rail against nostalgia as a force of good all the time like uh, we are great proponents of looking forward and and to that end i usually try to not bring D D exactly but bring mm-hmm. a role-playing game by someone who's publishing a new game usually off kickstarter uh because things should evolve, change, and grow better over time. Mm-hmm. But some, like sometimes there's just something real good from like 1970s D&D that I just can't avoid bringing. <laughs> the other day we did a garden monsters and I brought the flail snail, uh, which, is, <laughs> which is a giant snail with, uh, with tendrils that end in maces. Because, because they did a lot of D&D back in the day and it's, it's fantastic. We covered writing, publishing, podcasting. What's something you do all this and you do have a day job. Mm -hmm. What's something that you wish that people asked you more about? Like, hey, I want you to publish my book or I want to be a guest on your show. And 
but they never ask you something that you feel like, why aren't you asking me this? Like your experience, it could be your experience, could be educational level, could be. Why do you care? (laughs) You know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a guy who does a podcast called Jay Wilburn. Uh, He does a podcast called matters of faith and he asks all the questions that no one else does. Um, And I was just on his show recently. So like, I'm like, Oh, I just got asked that. But let me say this. Here's the thing that drives me up the wall. Occasionally when I'm doing an anthology or when I'm talking to a friend, whatever, I'll say, this is a cool short story, or this is a cool concept. Turn it into a novella or a novel. I would be interested in buying that. And I've had people say, eh, not really interested in doing that. And again, it's your work, it's your decision, it's fine. But I don't understand that. I don't, so I used to be an actor. I used to be a chef. I used to, I've done everything. And dream daddy. I, I am a dream daddy. Um, and part of the reason I've been able to do everything, part of the reason I have a publishing company and I've been published by people is that when I get advice and when I get opportunities, I say, all right, fuck it. Let's do this. Let's go for it. And so when someone turns down an opportunity, it really confuses me. I understand if you turn down an opportunity because you don't have time or it would jeopardize something else that's going on. Perfectly understandable. Outside that bounds, like, say yes. Say yes. I know you interact with more authors than me. Um, when I go to a, a an author's convention um, or like a literature convention, um, the biggest thing I notice that people are shy, and I'm not getting and out of hearing your your reactions to this, I'm not getting that from you. <laughs> uh, I am an extreme no. extrovert that has been in quarantine for seven weeks now. <laughs> like I just like give me interaction, yeah. hug me, something. Fuck. Um, yeah, I'll and then there's you know what I hear is I'm challenging you to do something. That you know, and they're like, "Well, this is all I had in mind," and then they're retreating to 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 their comfort zone. It uh, might be because I'm a splatterpunk author, and I'm friends with a lot of splatterpunk and extreme horror and bizarro authors who are all very <laughs> like in your face and very big personalities, right? Yeah, um, it's not even competition. It's like no. challenge accepted. <laughs> Inside this industry, there is no competition Mm -hmm. uh at least for me and my friends like uh when when one of my friends puts out a book when someone i know puts out a book when someone i know who knows someone that puts out a book i share that shit like we grow together but what i was going to say is like the the reason why you'll go to a convention's time and the authors or the people behind the booth aren't talking to you is because we're so Sick. I left the pause so you can edit it out. Thank Ooh, you. Not that one though. Um, <clears throat> so sick of hearing people say, "Oh, I don't, I don't read." Why are you at my booth? You see, there's books. You see, there's nothing but books. Why are you? Not only why did you come to my booth covered in books? Why are you telling me you don't read? Why are you standing in front of my book so other people can't see that I have books that maybe they would like to read? Because I'm illiterate and I'm confiding in you. Now I'm going to go cry. I will fight them. <laughs> read- <laughs> I will fight them. Read Alexander, author of four books on Madness Heart Press, was illiterate until he was 13. You don't have to be a leader. He wrote his first book when he was eight. (laughs) That one's not good. We didn't publish that one. (laughs) He keeps showing it to me, though. I I put it on my refrigerator. I told him I was very proud, but not publishing it. (laughs) 
Oh man, I want him to write something in cramps and and put and, and just sneak it on your refrigerator now. <laughs> He'll do it. He doesn't give. He doesn't give. He doesn't give two. He doesn't give a corona. Oh, um, <laughs> it's okay. So uh, go go but, ahead and then go ahead and feel free to plug everything yeah. and anything because you're so the dream go. daddy. I am the dream. I am dream daddy kaiju poet. Uh. So look, I have three books coming out this summer. I have Blood and Mud in June, um, <clears throat> which is the kaiju Jewish horror that destroys Chicago. I have Trafe Magic in, holy God, in May, in a couple of weeks. That is a uh, urban fantasy about a Jewish exorcist fighting a necromancer. And I have Semyaza Rising, which will probably be in early August, which is an extreme horror novella told entirely in verse about the Book of Enoch. That one has biblical body horror sexual violence. So I'm giving that trigger warning now. It's a Cronenberg, eat your heart out. Literally, it's a lot. And if you like that kind of thing, you'll love it. If you don't, maybe go to one of go to Trafe Magic or UPD, the UPD series on Menisart.press. Uh, Inhuman Error is the first book. It's free in digital format. Artifice of Flesh is the second. Those are both kind of YA books. So we have some lighter fare too. Oh, what were that title? You said UPD. UPD is the series. Yeah, you know me. No. Oh, I, I don't know what that is. Um, <clears throat> OPP, UDB. So yeah, I have a lot. I have a lot of books out. You can find them all on www.kaijupoet.com. You can also follow me on all social media at Kaiju Poet. I'd love to see you. Uh, send me a DM. D- don't slip into my DMs, but like, send me a message. Hit me up. At me. I'll probably get back to you because. I sit at a computer all day, even when we're not under quarantine. I'm Toden with Toden.com, MediaAlertSandwich.com. Hey, definitely hit them up. Hit me up. If you have any questions, you know, you can always send me email, podcast at MediaAlertSandwich.com, or write a review on whatever app you're listening at, or go to YouTube, subscribe, hit that follow bell, and there's courses the Patreon. If you can't donate to Patreon, which right now nobody can, you know, just share it. Share it with someone. I'm sure someone will get information out of this. I know you know people writing books and things. The worst Johnny's going to do is, is 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 tell you no. <laughs> That's the worst. Or steal your kidney. Or, or steal your kidney. But another artist, another author will get the benefits of it. So it's still for a good cause. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Hope you enjoyed our discussion and may the algorithms be in your favor.